This is Ari Koretsky and welcome to Jews You Should Know, introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so, but each is a Jew you should know. And we are back with another fabulous conversation this week interviewing Doron Shefer. Doron was a longtime Israeli basketball star who also started at the University of Connecticut and starred on some wonderful teams with Ray Allen, Danielle Marshall, and others, and has since gone on to live a really, really fascinating life beyond basketball, by which he has utilized his unique history and personal story to bring inspiration to youth and people of all ages around the world, and especially within Israel. Daron was engaged in a really wonderful spiritual odyssey that has culminated, although certainly has not concluded, but has found him reconnecting to his Jewish roots in a very profound way. And much of what he writes and speaks about is that powerful Jewish wisdom that he has found within what he calls the world of the Torah. I have to say I was very excited with my recall of mid to late 1990s NCAA basketball. That was very reassuring to me. I still have that. And uh, all in all, it was a real treat to speak with Daron. Just a reminder to follow us on Instagram at Jews You Should Know, spelled out fully, as well as to like our Facebook page, also at Jews You Should Know. Twitter, Jews You Should Know, this time with a U instead of the word U. And finally, and most importantly, please click subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast so that future episodes will come right into your RSS feed, your podcast inbox. And now to our conversation with longtime basketball star and Jewish star, Daron Shefer. And we are here with Daron Shefer, a longtime basketball star at the University of Connecticut and uh, in Israeli, as you'll shortly hear from his accent. How are you, Daron? I'm good. Thank you very much. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. And Daron, let's dive right in. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from. Obviously from Israel, but where in Israel and what was your upbringing like? Uh, I'm from uh, Ramat Efal. Uh, it's a neighborhood outside of Tel Aviv, close to, to Tel Aviv. Uh, most of my life I uh, grew up in, in uh, Ramat Efal, in that, not that small neighborhood. What kind of a neighborhood was it? Was it, I imagine it was a fairly secular area? Yes, it was a secular area. Was there any Judaism in your life growing up or was really not connected at all? No, the, the actually, um, my connection to Judaism, besides the fact we were celebrating the holidays and, you know, and, uh, on a very, uh, very um, uh, basic level, but... Uh, my meeting with Judaism a little, a little bit in a more deeper level when I was three years old until the age of five years old. We lived in uh, in Queens in uh, New York. Interesting. And Why? Then, yes, my business. My father uh, had business in the U.S. and we moved for a few years. And my parents put me and my elder brother brother in uh, Salomon Schechter uh, uh, kindergarten. So it's a religion uh, uh, kindergarten, and you know, I told my father uh, years ago when I started to come back uh, into Judaism and starting my tshuva process, 
I told them, look, you know, you you, you put me in a in a it's your in, fault. In a region, uh, yeah, yeah. Take responsibility. Interesting. Now, when you were growing up, was your family very into athletics? Was that a part, big part of your childhood? No, no. My my grandfather that that passed away. He, he was into sport, uh, you know, and he he pushed me a little bit uh, into that uh, uh, direction. But they, overall, my family uh, wasn't into sports. Interesting. So I guess you just started on your own playing. Yes, it was a part of uh, taking part of you know the activities they offered us in uh, in our neighborhood. You know, along with the basketball and soccer and youth group. You know, I took I took part not not with any any thoughts or dreams to to be one day a professional basketball player. Right. By the way, where was your family from? Were they originally from, um, obviously not originally from Israel, but how many generations back were they immigrants? Were they there for a little while? Uh, my, 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 in my father's part, uh, were from Poland, uh, East Europe. Um, my mother's part, a few generations are from, from, uh, from Israel, but then before it was Russia, uh, uh, Luxembourg, uh, also uh, Part of East Europe. Was your father born in Israel, or he himself was born? Yes, in- yes, yes. My father and my mother were, were born in Israel. Both born in Israel. Very nice. So, as you were growing up, they were playing. You started to play some sports in the community. Was it immediately clear that you were really good? <laughs> that you were better than all the other kids? Was that like? Yeah, right yeah. Away? It, it was. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, from day one, I was I was good, and uh, and and you know it was for me uh, k- kind of a love of first sight. But like I said, you know, I I wanted to keep it in a very uh, uh, basic level, not not thinking about becoming a professional. Actually, I I remember that if I knew what I don't want to be when I'll be older, it was a basketball player because because of my height. You know, I was always that tallest guy in class, and you know it it made me feel uncomfortable a lot of time you know drawing all that uh, attention i even used to walk uh, bend for 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 a few years just out of that uh, uncomfortable uh, situation i i prayed you know hopefully not to grow as tall but in this case you know god didn't listen to my prayers (laughs) Uh, although a friend told me a few few years ago he said look daron you know if if you wouldn't pray think how how tall you were you (laughs) You know i I don't think that most kids can relate. My son loves basketball, and he's, uh, you know, quite short. He's in uh, seventh grade, and uh, I think he prays all the time to grow taller so he can, you know, be so, more competitive. Yeah, each one has his own story. But in <laughs> my case, in my case, you know, I really grew up taller and taller, you know, until six five, and and well, what made made the difference you know in my my perspective and think and thought about the, the game was uh, at the age of 16 they invited me i was uh, so good so invited me to uh, play in the israeli national youth youth team uh, the, the best 12 players until the age of uh, 16 in israel i remember playing first time in the european championship championship for 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 youth in uh, spain it was against the best teams and, and players in europe in my age and at that point, you know, I realized that I, I'm competing against them uh, as equal, you know. Uh, and that was before I put any extra effort in the game. I never remember coming early before practice to work on my game or stay after, just playing on my natural talent and gift that I got. 
And at that point, I said, uh, look, I should uh, try and uh, utilize that potential and try to see how far, how far can I go. Yeah. Was it only basketball that you played early on, or were there other sports that you enjoyed, you know, in a serious way? Yeah, all sports. But like I said, well, it was hobbies, you know, with soccer and tennis and, and uh, ping pong, you know, everything with the ball <laughs> was, was, uh, was good for me. Did you excel at any of them, or was basketball really by far your best sport? No, I was I was good at soccer as well, you know, and everything I do with with the ball I was good at, you know. Yeah. But but I think in in a certain level, basketball was I was a little bit better. Yeah, were you very very competitive as a as a child, or were you very relaxed? Like, were you one of these kids who needed to win every game, like you know, ping pong and and uh, I don't know anything. Yeah, well, I was very competitive. I, I didn't know to, to accept second place. My mother tells me that when I came after losing, you know, I used to cut the rugs at home, you know, uh, <laughs> out of frustration. And it was it was really, you know, uh, how do you say, a perfectionist, you know, per, per, seeking for perfection, you know. And uh, and this thing caused me a lot of uh, suffering because, you know, there's only one perfect... And, and he's not a human being, you know. We cannot yeah. be perfect. We're humans, and uh, only God is perfect. I learned to 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 be out of that inner uh, challenge to 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 find uh, my my peace. You know, was was learning to be uh, uh, peaceful also with my imperfection, knowing that you know you cannot have it all. You cannot be perfect. It's not uh, we are humans, and learning that you know not giving up, giving the best you can, but knowing to accept. Also, you know, uh, things that don't go always as you wish and want. And also, not only accept them, but embrace them and, and learning how to grow from them, and, you know, even from the losses, even from the failures, you know. And, and that, that's something I, I feel today and know today that it's much a more mature and more um, holy way of seeing and, and, uh, and dealing with life. Because it's always with challenges, always things... Uh, uh, happen not as we want and wish and it's important to remember you know, we have to try to do the best and to, to seek for the best and to aim for the best but knowing it's very important to know how to deal with those challenges challenges along the way you think about like the uh we just had the ncaa tournament i'm sure you know in in the states uh recording here in, in april of 2019 and you know it's you see that a team that only one team will win you know and and the Virginia that which did which won, I mean, three or four of their games were by like one or two points, you know. So like, they could have easily not won at any point. So if you only uh, judge yourself by that final result, it's a very uh, it's a recipe for a lot of disappointment in life. Yeah, yes, it's a kind of you know, trying, uh, you know, Egypt, you know, you you are slave for for the outcome, for the score, and 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 we, we cannot control, you know. There's so many aspects you know involve the game you know the referee and the other players and the fans and you know we, everybody wants to uh, uh, score every every shot they take or win every game they they uh, they play but obviously we understand it's impossible and if if our happiness and joy and health and wealth it depends on a, a you know a, a basket that came in or out it's, it's not a good situation to be to be in and i'll tell you a story about michael jordan obviously you probably know his story that um, at one point he, he retired the game and went to play baseball. Yep. 
So, you know, he didn't do do well, you know. He didn't play much and the team lost. And when he played, he wasn't as good. And, uh, you know, the media and the fans, uh, you know, laughed at him and, 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 you know, and wrote and being cynical while you left the game and how you, you're not doing well here and that. And I saw an interview with Michael, you know, at a certain point after that season. And uh, the guy asked him, you know, Michael, uh, how do you explain your failure in the in baseball? So Michael looked at him and he said, failure? What are you talking about? What failure? You know, if I wouldn't try, that would be the failure. Mm. And, and it's a big and important message in life for, for all of us, for kids and adults as, as, as one, you know, knowing that the best and the most important thing is us trying. We, we cannot control, you know, we can practice, we can pray, we can see the video, do the best, but we cannot uh, control that. We have to believe, but we have to understand that trying is the most important thing to put on, and we, when we do it, first of all, that's a victory for itself, you know, and when we really do it without, without being afraid from what will be the outcome and not being a slave to the outcome, so then we can really fulfill our potential because when you play out of fear, and, and being nervous and afraid, what will be the score if I win or lose? They're going to apply, apply me or not? How many money I make or not? This is not, not so a good way to, to play the game. When you play out of the love of the game, you know, really free to do your best without being afraid, that's usually when the outcome is also the best. But even not, even if not, you already won a bigger game, you know? And this is the, 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 the game of life. Beautiful. So now, Daron, you were 16 years old playing on an international stage, playing with the Israel uh, national team, the under-16, uh, the junior team, if you will. And where did things go from there? I mean, you ended up not going a uh, professional route in Europe, but actually coming, as far as I know, to the States to play college there. So how did things unfold for you once you started playing more seriously at that age? So at the age of 18, I left home to the Galil, to the north part of Israel, playing in Port Galilion, the team, uh, the best team in the north. I had a very, very special three seasons. The, the, the best season was really a, a season we won the, the, the championship. Uh, it was a kind of a miracle in the, in, in, in the world of the Israeli basketball because it was after... And that Maccabi won the championship for 23 years in a row. So imagine uh, what <laughs> what special special it was. Uh, special story uh, there uh, regarding the rabbi from Mubavitch that was still alive and sent the blessing to the Galil. And really, really uh, very special uh, memories from that season and that uh, and that year. Who were the uh, other top players on that team? Were there any other foreign players? Yes, yes, there were. I'm not. I don't know how, how familiar they are for, for uh, the average uh, American fans, but uh, Andrew Kennedy, uh, a very special uh, friend and guy and player that played in Virginia College, if you were talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he played with us a few years. And then Bradley from Indiana, not in the, in the Hoosiers, but uh, another small, small uh, college from Indiana. Mike Gibson, I don't remember where he played before. Steve Malovic. There were three, four, five Americans that, that played with us that year. Two of them became Israelis because they were in Israel for many years. And it was a very special season. That's awesome. So then did you get noticed somehow by, by international scouts? Like, how did you end up coming to the U.S.? 
Yeah, at that point, you know, I did well so in the in the local league and then in Europe when we played, and teams started to uh, you know uh, invite me to come and see and 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 join their team also also in Israel also Maccabi Tel Aviv and also uh, in the U.S. college teams and then I I really I wanted to to change you know even though I got offered a lot of money in Israel and the fame and glory and. Uh, I wanted to change. I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to play in college basketball because it really was at that point that I have to make a decision. Otherwise, I would be too old for them to, to play uh, in the university. And then uh, I made that decision. I was recruited by, by a few teams. I came to the U.S. to make uh, a college tour, and I chose eventually uh, UConn. Why UConn? Did, did Jim Calhoun give you a really good pitch uh what 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 attracted you there i mean stores connecticut is not exactly uh the most enticing location yeah I, the, the truth is i i wanted to uh, go to kentucky that was the, the one of the teams that recruited me and things didn't work well i was at the time who was yeah coaching. patino 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 yeah yeah and things didn't work well and uh, uh with, with with some of the exams and, and and their obligations and it was too late to wait for for another uh, test and then uh yukon was my, my my second best option you know before me nadav also played there an israeli guy there was a good connection between uh coach and uh, you already knew about israel and uh, and nadav had a lot of good things to say about connecticut and then in many ways it was the uh, the second best option, the situation, the players, the team. And, you know, it was a very special three years at the University of Connecticut back then. Did you maintain a relationship with Calhoun? I know he's gotten in some trouble over the years. Yes, yes, we we are. In a, you know, every time I, may, I come to the U.S., we try to talk. A few times we got to meet. He was in Israel a few times. Uh, also with Ray Allen, uh, I'm in touch, and some of the other players. You know, it's not on a day-to-day basis, but once in a while when we get to uh, speak and talk, you know, and, and, and see each other, it's, it's a family. Yeah. Who else, Who were some of the other signature players? It was Ray Allen at your time. Who else? Uh, Kevin Ollie became also NBA player for many years and yeah. the coach of Connecticut afterwards. Uh, right. Travis Knight, Travis Knight, Donnell Marshall. Danny Marshall, you know, some of them were more, more familiar, some, some less. Daniel Marshall is uh, definitely a, a name that I uh, know. What were your playing days in Connecticut like? What was the experience like? Did you have any success during that time and as a team? And what were some of the great memories from that period? Yeah, first of all, it was a very special uh, experience uh, off the court as well as on the court because you know uh, living israel living uh, my natural place of living of of, of being uh, so it's 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 meeting a new culture new people new friends and it was in many ways fascinating curious i was very curious about it um then you know i i at that point also a good thing that happened that i realized that for me there's no place like home like israel you know sometimes only when you go far from somewhere you learn to appreciate it so it was also a good thing that happened at connecticut yeah and on the court a lot of good things you know we have a three magical years and i was uh fortunate to be a part of them and uh, playing the starting five being the rookie of the year my first season uh, winning it, it was uh, overall 29 and 12 uh, a record you know in three years you can close three biggest championship regular season and then uh, the biggest tournament season 
Uh, on the NCAA, we made it to the final eight and twice to the final 16. Uh, a lot of good things with a lot of great players and a lot of good memories. Who were the great teams at that time when you were playing? Were there any great Duke teams or who, who was the other big team? Uh, the, um, the big teams, UCLA won one year, won, won the championship. Was that Tyus uh, Edney? And the O'Bannon brothers, yeah, we, they beat us in the final eight in Oakland. I remember Ty said he had a, had a, a, a basket-to-basket, like end-to-end layup that he had yeah. in the second. Yeah. I remember watching it. 1995? 95-96. I remember like it's yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Iverson played in Georgetown in that year. Ah. Kerry uh, Kittles and Villanova, the biggest was very strong as well. Uh, Marcus Camby and, and, and UMass. Uh, UMass. They, they were good players. Uh, that that draft I, I was drafted at at the end of my, my three years. You know, was I think one of the best ever in the in the history of the NBA because uh, you know from that draft many many All Stars players came out. Kobe Bryant was number thirteen in that draft. He came out of high, high school. High school, yeah, and from Marbury. Yeah, and uh, Iverson was the first, and uh, Stephon Marbury and Ray Allen and uh, Steve Nash. And uh, Antoine Walker, many, many all-stars to, to, to Stojakovic, Derek Fisher. So it become really a special uh, draft, uh, you know, with very, very good players. You'd have to say probably that Ray Allen had the best career of all of those, at least in terms of championships and everything. Yes, definitely. Even though Iverson was probably a more talented, uh, you know, player in Marbury. But uh, anyway, so you were there in UConn and then you got drafted in the NBA. Did you think that you were going to go to the NBA once you were playing in college? Did you have a sense that, wow, I could really, I could really make it? After my first season, at the beginning, I didn't believe I would be good enough. But after playing one year against, you know, the best players in college uh, basketball and, you know, competing them, you know, in a, in, a, in a fairly equal way. So I said, uh, why not? You know, maybe I can make it as well. And I stayed another two years to try to give it my best shot. Did the coaches encourage you? Did they did they think that you had it? Yeah, of course. They believed and encouraged me. Yeah. So where were you drafted and and uh, what position and so forth? Uh, it was the second round was number thirty six pick by the Clippers. Uh, Bill Fitch was the coach back then. Yeah. Uh, so and you had to go into a do- deal with Donald Sterling, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And did he have a lot to do with the team? Because I know the, the Clippers were known as a very poorly run organization for many years. And of course, all the negative things that came out of all the uh, scandals that came out with much later with Donald Sterling. What was that like? Yeah, I, when I came really, when I was drafted, they were really uh, not, a, not a good team as they are today. And they're really one of the weakest team in the league. I was drafted... Uh, when the team was, the roster was pretty much full. They ran into the summer camp, and I didn't do it there as well. And they told me, look, we're not going to release a player for you. Uh, go to Europe, go to Israel, uh, you know, get some more experience and try to come back uh, in the future. We tried to, my agent, agent tried to arrange some uh, trade, but it didn't work out. So I came back to Maccabi Tel Aviv uh, ah. for, for, four, for four years, yeah. And how did that work out? Did you guys do well? Uh, yeah, Maccabi Tel Aviv, you know, we're back dominating the league after the Galil uh, historical win. And we were winning back back then uh, four years, by four years there, you know, four championships and three cups and made it to the 
final of the European Championship uh, Cup. Uh, well, they were good years. They were very, very special, very intense. Actually, at that point, you know, uh, what's starting to change in me uh, during the, the years I played in the Maccabi is, uh, is I started to... Uh, my energy and uh, my, my will started to go uh, to a new direction of, of, of uh, seeking a spiritual journey, you know. And, uh, what, what's, what prompted that? You know, mainly, mainly basketball, as much as it brought blessing to my life, it also was a very, very intense place to be and a lot of challenges, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, tense and pressure and, uh, and fears and expectations that you, you, you can never fulfill from others, from yourself, and then it caused me a light of, um, to, to break down, you know, like, like Coach Pat Riley says once, you know, when, when people uh, confront crises, uh, there's two kinds of people, either you break down or you break records, and you know, what, what, what did to me those crises was, you know, ignite inside of me a fire that seeks to solutions and way to overcome my fears and my, my, my worries and my uh, and, and, you know, I remember playing in the Galil, it was in uh, Kibbutz, Kibbutz, you know, there's a the big dining room that everybody eats together and uh, know each other. I remember after we lost the games and I didn't play well, it was very hard to go and to, to eat with everybody, to, you know, each one has what something to say and some would be cynical and some would be angry. And I, I you know, I used to stay in my room with a lot of frustration. And, you know, I remember that point, you know, to look and seek for, for answers, how to, to, to deal with the, my spirit, my, uh, you know, my, my fears, my worries. And then it started slowly, slowly, a spiritual journey, you know, reading a book, going to a clinic, and, and, and slowly, slowly become a bigger part of my life. And at a, at a certain point, I felt that I want to go deeper and deeper in, in the, that journey and experience more life in, in, in different places, not only in, in the, on the basketball court and, and also deal with other things in my life that I, I believe that are not less and even more important. And at that point, after four years in Maccabi, at, at the age of 28, I was my, the peak of my career with a lot of, uh, still a few years of contract in Maccabi, I, uh, I retired again. You know, it was a big, big, big uh, shock to the basketball fans and, and not only because it really was so strong that it affected a lot of people also that didn't understand basketball. It's really interesting because you grew up in a very secular environment and you were playing basketball in Tel Aviv, which is generally a more secular city. How did you know where to look and why was Judaism the outlet that you found? How did you even know to think about that? Uh, it took time until I come back to my roots in Judaism and in Torah. It started, my spiritual journey started in India and in South America and Judaism, Shamanism, you know, and learning a lot and meditating and yoga and different kind of tools and, and techniques of those uh, wisdom. And it helped me a lot along the journey. During that time, you know, I was out of the game for two and a half years. A year and a half after I, I was discovered by cancer, a tumor, uh, malignant is the one that is spread, right? Malignant. Yeah, malignant. And, you know, I went through a very intense challenge dealing with, with, with the tumor. And, it, and I, I really, it uh, accelerated my, my spiritual journey because I, I took it not as a, in a way that I said, okay, let me do operation, take it out and continue my life as is. But it was important for me to understand the root of the problem. What, what's my part? 
of the story, what, what I can learn and change and do in order to, to live in a much healthier, happier and more balanced life. Because I said, if I'm going to take the tumor out of my body with, a, with an operation and continue and do the things that cause the tumor to become, so it will come back again, you know, like if you cut a branch from a tree, it will grow again. But if you go to the root of the tree, it won't grow. And that, that was my journey. I, I, I went with, I'm, you know, telling my story and then my training camp for life, you know, of life that, you know, I'm seeking for ways and tools and, and, and information and inspiration in order to take responsibility and change in my life in a positive way in, in, in all aspects, on the physical level, on the mental level, on the spiritual level. And it really caused me to change a lot of lot things regarding uh, nutrition and regarding, you know, dealing with my fears and anxiety and, and faith and, 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 and physical situation and mental situation. And, and it really caused me to experience a, a kind of rebirth, you know, and becoming a much more healthier, aware, happier and more balanced person than I am today. And uh, at a certain point in my journey, uh, you know, after uh, I already came back to, to play basketball afterwards. Uh, and, and so you were, you, were uh, in, you were in, after you retired the first time, you went to India and to the East, and the cancer was discovered while you were traveling? The, no, when I came, actually the cancer was discovering in Israel, it was officially discovered, but actually... In the U.S., the, the, I had an incident that, you know, uh, I understood that something is wrong and I should go and check it back in Israel. And then I went through, you know, the, the journey to try and heal myself, take responsibility and, and grow, grow from the situation. And then I came back and played basketball. So after your, your first retirement, you came and played again? You, you joined basketball again? Yes, I came back playing in Jerusalem, actually had probably the best season in my life, uh, winning the European Championship with the Port Jerusalem. Wow. Very special year. Yeah, it was a very uh, special year and a very special story. And then I, uh, two years after, I retired, two years after, uh, in the Galilu, the team that I started playing at, and started a new chapter in my life. So at what point was Judaism becoming more of the answer for you? Because it sounds like for a while it was more Eastern spirituality, meditation, Yes, at a certain point, you know, as much as I'm grateful for, for Buddhism and shamanism and things that I learned from, and still, you know, practice a little bit in my life, but it wasn't enough for me, you know. Something inside of me was, was still seeking, looking for more. And I find that more when I come back to the roots and the world of the Torah. I entered the yeshiva in Jerusalem, and uh, I started to study and to pray and my wife and myself to start to observe it and, and, and take the mitzvot, the Shabbat, the Kashrut, the Tara. That point is very clear for me that I came back home, you know, finding the, the, the Torah that is, uh, is written in my language, connected to my country, to my people, to uh, my DNA, you know, to my soul. So it was very natural for me to uh, come back home and see that you know, now there's something that, you know, you know, the tree of life, something I can uh, work with and something that can help me slowly, slowly, step by step, you know, and becoming a, a better person, you know, and fulfill my, my true potential. Were there mentors or people that you met that helped direct you to this destination? Or did you on your own know that the Eastern spirituality was not enough and you wanted, you know, the Jewish connection? 
Yeah, when I look today about my story and about life, you know, so it's, it's in the eyes of, of faith and knowing that there's one God, one mentor that takes care of everything and directs us uh, exactly where we have to go and where we have to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, they say God has a lot of messengers. Uh, so uh, a lot of his messengers helped me along the way, you know, people along the way that helped, gave, gave me a good advice, good mirror. But all the way, you know, I, I was always very much connected to my own inner voice and intuition in, in order to, to discover my, my special route. Yeah. So you went to a uh, yeshiva in Jerusalem? Yes. Where? In Beit Vagan. Uh, Lithuanian uh, yeshiva for, for uh, Baalei Tshuva. Okay. Rabbi Ben Torah, and and I've been there for for you know six months, maybe more, and then moved to the north, and uh, and I've been through a few yeshivot along my journey. When people heard that this is what you were doing, what was the reaction? That this basketball player, basketball star, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Maccabi Hapoel Yerushalayim, becoming uh, a little crazy <laughs> about Judaism. I mean, what what? How did people react? You know, it depends who you ask. They say 10, 10 people, 10 opinions, and 10 Jews is even more opinions. Yeah. So, so it really depends. But I, I, I heard a lot of different kind of reaction. Obviously, some were surprised, some were in shock, some were happy, some were, you know, jealous in a, in, in a positive way, curious. And many, 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 many uh, people told me many different things. I read also, they were writing a lot about uh, you know my story and 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 with different reaction, but I think mainly mainly a lot of people really um, not only respect that but really um it gave them strength in their journey to make decisions in, in different kind of uh, times and intersection in their life you know to choose and not be afraid and uh, worrying all about all, all the time what people say and you know what, what people think. And until today, people write to me or tell me, you know, when they see me in the street, you know, look, you know what you did back then, what you, I read your book, I, I've been in this and I heard your story and it gives me strength to change my life to a positive direction. Not necessarily they have to choose the same thing, but, you know, just the inspiration to help them. And I, I think this is something that, uh, for me, gives me a lot of strength to continue on, on, on my way and, and help other people as well, give them, uh, give them good inspiration. Beautiful. You mentioned that you got lots of different reactions. Uh, what about your family? <laughs> did, how did they react? You said earlier that you teased your father that it was his fault for sending you to a Jewish day school when you were in Queens for <laughs> as a three-year-old. How did your family respond? Yeah, my, my mother, as, as long as she saw me that I'm healthy and happy, it was enough for her. You know, my father took the other side that he was worried that, you know, that it won't do good for me. And I, I, first of all, I can understand him because you see people that enter the world of the Torah and put the yarmulke and the tzitzit and study and not necessarily it does them good, you know. The, the Hazal said that the Torah can be some chayim and some of it, you know. You see a lot of time people that, uh, you know, they are uh, apparently in the world of the Torah, but, you know, the, the history also tells us about kings and, and, and Talmidei Chachamim, Talmidei Rabbi Akiva, okay, yeah, and many, many uh, white people that they weren't on the right path, you know, and, and uh, it's not, you, you, we shouldn't take it for granted, you know, what I find in the Torah, a very challenging world that yeah, we have to be very smart and wise and humble in order to walk safely in the world of the Torah and not get lost. Uh, it can be very confusing. But once it becomes, uh, you know, Sam Chaim, once 
we are fortunate enough to get the, the good and the purity out of the Torah. This is the best thing in the world, you know. And then you see all those great rabbis and uh, Rabbi Kuk, Rabbi Mirubavich, and obviously before, Baal Shem Tov, and Vilna, and until uh, King David and all the great shepherds. Uh, so my father was worried. I can understand him. And uh, for me, it was uh, a challenge to see how, how bad do I want it. And uh, a bigger challenge is to see how I enter the world of the Torah and, and not losing my connections uh, uh, with, with my friends and, 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 and family. And, you know, although at the beginning I had to get a little bit isolated, you know, because it was a very intense time. But I think my, one of the biggest challenges for me in, the, in, in my Chuva journey and Torah life is seeing that as time is passing by, you know, I'm becoming a, a better person with better values and, 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 you know, more respect to my parents and, and more humbleness and more patience and just seeing myself getting closer and closer to all the people around me and not the opposite, you know. Sometimes people go to the world of the Torah and they get isolated and they, you know, and not, don't look good about other people that don't live the way they live. So it's very important for me to see and what I see and my father also along the years he feels more and more comfortable and happy about my decision because he sees that, you know, the Torah does good for me. So then he can relax and then he sees today that I respect my parents more than ever. It's beautiful. And I, I agree certainly that there are times where people feel that they need to cut off a part of themselves or a part of their past in order to embrace a new approach. Yeah. And reality is a much higher level is, is to be able to integrate one's past and to uplift people that you've known throughout your entire life and become a better friend, a better son, etc. So that's wonderful that you've been able to do that. At some point, it sounds like you wrote a book. Tell me about that process. Yeah, I wrote two books already, and I'm you know, working on my third and fourth. Uh, the first oh. one is, uh, is autobiography that I'm, I'm telling my life story until the world of the Torah, you know, through the basketball game, the youth, the dealing with cancer, the spiritual journey into India and South America, and, and I stopped at the world of the Torah, and now, now I'm working about the, the continuation of the story with my wife, it, it, you know, both of us in this journey together and also the intensity and all the beauty and all the danger, etc., etc., in this life and, and raising the kids and the complex world of a Baal Shuva, you know. Not that's uh, something you can take for granted, uh, all this change and uh, big challenges and big places to be aware and, and, and be careful. And, you know, we hope to get that second book out and, and help people that are doing this journey to do it in a more balanced and happy way and... and uh, that's one of our goals. Uh, what's, the what's, the book, first, what's the first book called? And Anani. An, an, Anani. Anani is from Psalms, from uh, King David. It's saying, Mina metzal karatiya, Anani b'merchavia. Yeah, from the... Answer me. The, answer me, God. Yeah, answer me. And, and, and for me, I feel along all my journey, you know, God, God is answering me, you know. It's, it's interesting to see that Anani is a past sentence, yeah. He, he already... Right. The answer, what I understood is the answer is already there. We just have to discover it. Right. You know, we're praying and asking for an answer about our health and wealth. And, you know, one, thing, the one, one guy wants to get married and kids. So the answer is already there. We just have to discover. But definitely, it's a uh, it's very big motive. Uh, that has, we it, has it been and, translated into English? Not yet, unfortunately. The second book, I'm working now on the translation 
Uh, the second book is The Game of Life. It's, uh, I'm writing for six years almost in a magazine for kids and youth, a column that, you know, is about, I call it basketball with courtesy, you know, uh, stories from the game, from Connecticut, from Maccabi, from, from about Jordan, about me in the Galil, and then each story with, uh, you know, something uh, uh, of uh, education, something, you know, about a courtesy and good manners, and then connected to the world of the Torah. And it's short stories, and then each story with something to take for life. I call it the game of life. A beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, gift, you know, for youth, but not only, also for adults that love, not only for people that love sports even. And now I'm working on that, on translation. I hope to get it uh, ready soon, and I can, you know, many people from the U.S. ask also about it, and I hope to get it uh, ready soon. So we have to translate the first one also, Nani also, we have to translate. Yes, it's true. Maybe you can help. I'm, I'm looking also how to, how to do it in the best, uh, in the best way. You know, it's, uh, I am not familiar also with the market in the U.S., but, you know, maybe you can talk about it later. Okay. You, you mentioned your wife and, and her going on a similar journey. When did you meet her and what was her, uh, briefly, her process? You know, I met her in Tel Aviv. She she was working in a restaurant in where in the building I was living at. You know, it was pretty much love at first sight. <laughs> uh, she, she was in uh, her own spiritual journey. She she was studying uh, philosophy of Judaism. It's not uh, halacha, and uh, but she loved to study. And, and and she you know when we met, she brought a lot of books into uh, our house, and uh, I was very curious about it. And at a certain point, I said, let's see how it works. You know. Uh, how to live those thoughts on a day-to-day basic, you know, and uh, it's a very challenging journey because, you know, when when you come back uh, to, to the roots, you make a tshuva process, you know, it's always that you, you can never be on the same level, on the same page. Each one is uh, has his own journey with his own uh, challenges, and it's very important to remember that and to give space, to respect the other. Obviously, in some issues, we have to find uh, the answer for both of us, you know, regarding the kashrut at home or, or, or educating the kids. But a lot of things, individual things, it's important to give the space. I remember the few times in, in our journey, you know, that the house almost uh, got broken, you know, because of that misunderstanding of, of what's really important. And uh, unfortunately, the Torah, you know, and, and God, you know, showed me very clear that, you know, Shlom uh, Bayit, our home is Kodesh Kodeshim, it's sacred, you know, and I have to take care of it and make sure my wife will be happy and not worried about my process and not, uh, you know, becoming too strict about her uh, if she does this or that. And, and unfortunately, you know, we're together, still, uh, you know, rejuvenating, still together and, and growing, growing in this journey with, with our uh, four kids. Daron, take us up to date. What are you doing today? Are you still involved with basketball? What are you doing professionally? Where are you living? What's in your life today? Okay, I okay, I'm married the second time. I have an elder daughter from first marriage. She's 70 years old. And we have here, I live in the north part of Israel. It's, it's Moshav Amirim, near Meron. You were married once before, Daron? Yeah, yeah. I was married once before, got divorced. And I have. Uh, she lives in Tel Aviv, my elder daughter. And then four kids here in the north with me, Moshav Amirim, it's near Tafat, near Tiberia, near Iran. Uh, yeah, very, very special, very green, and a lot of nature. And what I do, basically, I do a lot of things that are all connected to education, to health, to natural health. 
Uh, also, basketball takes today as an educational and therapeutic tool. I work a lot of kids and youth, and also with the adults, and take it as a, you know, as an example for the game of life. Through the game, I show them, I teach them a, a little bit about the game, but mainly show them something much bigger, you know. And you have through the game, you can learn everything you want about life, you know, dealing with challenges, with success overcome crises and working together as a team and etc etc et and you know I, I say today the sport is a kind of the religion of the year 2000 with so much power to influence people so I try to do it and today I believe I influence and touch people in a much important and deeper way than I did back then in the when I played when I you know scored another three points and win another game so for me it's a much bigger uh, satisfaction today. So you do, I, are you doing I, clinics? Are you doing basketball clinics? Are you doing speaking? Yeah, 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 yeah. Basketball clinics. They invite me to to teams, to neighborhoods, to with kids, and some kids buy, come to me to play one on one and to to hear stories, to get the book in in a gift with a gift, and you know, get a little bit deeper and more important perspective about the game, you know, and about life through the game. And then, uh, other than that. I lecture all over Israel and all, all over the U.S. And, and around the world about my life story that touches a lot of people from age of 13, different backgrounds, no matter religion, non-religion. I go to prisons, students, soldiers, kibbutzim, high-tech people, managers, really, because it's a story that touches everybody and everybody can find them in, in that story. And, and it's very, for me, a big privilege, I feel, to meet people, the Jewish people, Israeli people, also not non-Jewish, but, but anyway, mainly. And then, you know, I come and uh, feel, feel a very strong connection and, and uh, privilege to do what I do. I'm also a coach, a life coach, so my wife and myself, we both also treat people, and we have a small uh, natural health center in, in, in Amirim that people come to go through uh, processes, e- either out of being ill or just to rejuvenate, you know, I, we, we, I said to give them good, good nutrition to the body, the mind, and the soul, so we also uh, do that, and you know, like I said, I'm writing, and, and there's not a dull moment, obviously I, I try to, to, to start my day. With Torah and praying and, and you know inciting the giving food to my soul and then continue inside to to give back. How's your game today? You still got some skill today? Yeah, it's very you know it's like riding bicycle bicycle <laughs> but it's uh, it for me it's enough here in the neighborhood. We have a startup. You know we play the game without counting. And you know people at the at the beginning say so if you don't count why play the game but it's amazing we just play we come to sweat you know we come to be together to get loose and that's the important thing you know when you get counting a lot of time unfortunately you 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 fall to jealousy and to violence and even in the neighborhood you know I've been in different situation and get injured and you know we just you keep it simple like the Rambam said you know play with the ball you know have fun enjoy sweat a little bit and uh, continue. Do you still dominate the local pickup games? Yeah, yeah, it's easy here. It's easy. <laughs> There's no competition, huh? <laughs> but uh, but we don't but we don't count, so it doesn't matter. You don't you don't keep score. Just uh, no score, no play. score, no score. There's only one winner, you know. Only God is the winner. <laughs> we we, we all uh, you know work for him. On my next trip, I'm gonna have to come up there and, and see if you can take me. Yeah, you're welcome. Very much welcome. <laughs> I'm very scrappy. I don't know, uh, you know, I'm not six foot five, though. Mm-hmm. Daron, 
what have you not yet accomplished that you still want to accomplish? Are there certain projects or dreams that you want to still take care of? We want, we want the, the, you know, the prophecies to get through, you know, this is the sign that there will be peace and love and happiness, you know, in Israel we do, we do the thing we came to do here, you know, after we came back 2,000 years to Israel and we built a beautiful country, you know, it's now is the time to really get together and set an example for the world for living peacefully together you know fortunately I'm, I'm saying it in the day after the election that you see how, how much we are divided but I think our goal and our challenge and our destiny is to get united and do what we came to do and set an example to the world because you know we have everything everything you know it wasn't 2,000 years Israel wasn't so abandoned as far as food you see what was 50 years ago, 80 years ago, the Holocaust and, and the poverty and, 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 you know, we don't no country, no place to be. But now we're missing the important part, the spiritual part, the, the, the part of being happy, being together, being respectful to each other and working together for a bigger vision for all of us. Well, Daron, Chef Ari, it's an honor to speak with you and to hear how you are playing such a significant role in bringing about that better vision a remarkable life story, a basketball story, but really much more a Jewish story. And uh, we're so grateful that you've shared that with us and hope that you continue to have amazing success in spreading your light and your dreams to the people of Israel and the Jewish people at large. Daron Sheffer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. All the best to all of you. This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at JewsYouShouldKnow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at JewsYouShouldKnow. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash JewsYouShouldKnow. Finally, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to Jews you should know.